Sports Etc. is New England's hockey leader since 1980. For over 30 years, we have specialized in fitting players of all ages for hockey and goalie equipment. We understand that anyone can sell hockey equipment, but not everyone can truly fit hockey equipment. We carry all the major hockey brands like Bauer, CCM, Reebok, Easton, Graf, Warrior, Vaughn, Bryans, and many more. Located at 1303 Massachusetts Avenue, Arlington, Mass., and on the web at sportsetc.net, experience the difference at Sports Etc. Welcome back to the My Hockey Live podcast. I'm Brandon Hall. I'm joined today by My Hockey Live, NBC10, and the Boston Globe's Jake Levin. Jake, my partner in crime, welcome back to the podcast. Brandon, great to be back in about as close to full swing of hockey season as we're going to get this winter. I know there's been a lot of cancellations and postponements, but from those, uh, more games that uh, uh, ordinarily we would never see take place seem to be popping up, and I think a perfect example of that is the Hingham Bishop Stang game last Saturday? Uh, that that would never happen in a million years in a never, normal right, season. Never, right? But you know, I obviously everybody knows about Hingham. Bishop Stang—they're a good program down in Division Three. I know they don't have any recent uh, sectional titles, anything of that nature. But ask anybody who's been down at Gallo the last six or seven years covering that South tournament, and they're a team that. They're always lingering there, and whether it's the quarterfinals or even the semifinals, they're often one of the biggest challengers to, you know, generally Hanover or let's say Rockland or Norwell or some teams like that. Uh, they got Ken Gouvier, very good head coach with some uh, experience coaching up at UMass Boston, and so Bishop Stang did lose to Hingham the other day, three uh, nothing. Shots on goal were forty four to twelve, but what a cool experience that must have been for Bishop Stang to play, you know. The big bad Harvard, if you will, the team that's going for the Super 8 every year with five state championships in the last 30 years. I think it must have been a really cool experience and, of course, played in front of literally nobody because Hoppamock <laughs> is one of these rinks that not only are they not allowing parents in, they're barely allowing media in. So, so the game was at, the game was at Hoppamock, huh? Yes, the game was at Hoppamock. So this is another... It's almost, it's a, I don't want to say it's unfortunate that the Hingham staying game had to take place, but another matchup we've never seen from Hingham that I know people like you and I have been clamoring for for years, Hingham Hanover was supposed to take place on Saturday. Unfortunately, Hanover had to go on pause for a couple of weeks, and so I, I certainly hope we still see a Hingham Hanover game down the line, but that's where the ice was, and so Hingham was able to get back outside the Patriot League, and I'm sure if you know, you talked to the coaching staff about playing some uh, non-league games this year. They might have been thinking, oh, well, yeah, maybe we can still make something happen with BC High or Pope Francis. And instead they get Bishop Stang. And it sounds like it was a really good game despite the uh, lopsided shots on goal total. Yeah, I, I mean, the real remarkable thing, and you look at the schedules and you look at um, some of these matchups, if you're just on Twitter, even for a little bit, it's like, our game got canceled tomorrow. And, you know, this is the coach or, or a fan account or a parent account. It's like our game got canceled tomorrow because, you know, X team that we were supposed to play is now postponed um, due to COVID. We're looking for an opponent. If you want to come and play us at six o'clock at, you know, Y rank, come on and come on down. It's any takers. It's real like playground rules almost. I like this aspect of it. And, you know, I don't want much of uh this season to carry over to future seasons but 
I do kind of like this. We'll play anybody, anytime, anywhere. And I'd like to see more programs. And I get that there's not a lot of upside for a Division One team like Hingham to go play even a great Division Three team like a Hanover or a Bishop Stang because, God forbid, what if Hanover or Bishop Stang wins? Then that doesn't look great in the eyes of the Super 8 committee. But what you also need to know is that these are truly great programs. And Hanover especially. I'll go capital G great there. Bishop Stang, still a very good program. I'd like to see some more of these matchups that uh, – have never happened in a million years. I mean, even Hingham playing some other teams within the Patriot League. They hadn't played Whitman Hanson in almost 20 years uh, back the last time they played a Patriot League schedule. That would have been 2002. Uh, hadn't played Plymouth North since Plymouth North and South split. So Tony Messina, who of course played for Hingham, uh, he played against Plymouth, Plymouth High School back in the 80s, but no one else had ever played against Plymouth North or South. And you know, Hingham Situate is a game that I think uh, eventually will happen this season that wouldn't happen in any other normal years. I, I'm looking forward to that. I'm not saying Hingham should go back to the Pager League by any stretch of the imagination. They got a great thing going with their independent schedule, but I, I do kind of like some of these local uh, regional games uh, happening once again. Yeah, and a game that, you know, one of the, another one that, you know, wasn't necessarily supposed to happen, Hanover and Marshfield played a 2-2 tie uh, late last week. So Hanover and Marshfield are starting to play. Uh, now that Marshfield is a full member of the Patriot League, this isn't just an arrangement for this season because they were in the ACL, the Atlantic Coast League, that, um, uh, what's the word I'm going for here? Uh, collapsed, I guess would be the way to <laughs> right, phrase it. Right, for, uh, right. Contracted. In favor of the Cape and Islands League. Contracted. So Marshfield. Sure. Oh, go ahead. Contracted. Contracted. Yeah, there we go. Perfect. So Marshfield sort of left... Uh, you know, without a seat at the game of musical chairs. And uh, it just made too much sense geographically for them to be left out of the Patriot League. I right. know they're a little bit bigger than some of the member schools, but it's not like, you know, inviting Brockton in. And I'm going just by terms of uh, school size there. So Marshfield and the Patriot League, that makes sense. But Marshfield-Hanover, uh, even, I think that matchup did take place before Marshfield was in the Patriot League full-time. So uh, kudos to them for making that matchup happen, and I'd like to see more of that. In another thing, uh, and we haven't had a chance to see them yet, but you know we're going to have the Patriot League Cup. We're going to have the Cape and Islands Cup. Uh, some other leagues will do their cups. I want to see more mini league tournaments before the start of the postseason. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. The I, I love the mini tournaments beforehand, and you know a lot of them are. are, are set up that have been long-standing things like the Gould tournament and um, Gormley, you know, down at at Gallo, like those things have been happening for years. Uh, So it's, you know, you kind of got a little bit of a fly in the ointment there, but at the same time, if you were able to have sort of a conference championship ahead of time before those like, you know, invitationals before the tournament, uh, I mean, college basketball makes it work. You know, it's not impossible to say you move that, you know, you move a Gould tournament more towards, uh, you know, Martin Luther King weekend as opposed to during February vacation. And then you have your conference championships uh, during those times. I really love that idea. I really do. I mean, there, what's wrong with putting more stakes on more games, making things worth playing for even more, you know, shortening the regular season just a little bit, uh, but keeping the same number of games, maybe giving kids an incentive to stay in place some more MIA hockey. Just thinking out loud. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, yeah, right. In the end, it's like, you know, who wants to play, right? Do we want, we just want to play hockey at this point. So happy to just play hockey. 
Oh, I'm talking down the road here. I'm talking, you know, next winter and beyond. But uh, for the sake of this season, when the hosts yeah, don't I'm listen, right? See what they look like. <laughs> An example of when the hosts aren't listening. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I, what I've seen so far uh, this season, right, is obviously you've got these pause, you know, teams that go on pauses and, when, you know, you lose a bunch of games in a row. But uh, we've seen some teams come back around, you know, Pembroke having a season now. Uh, you know, not a single win last year, 0-19 and I think two or 0-19 and one. Uh, and, you know, and hovering around 500 right now with some quality wins, um, and, you know, and seeing seeing some uh, some new teams come about. You know, Malden Catholic has a girls team now. Um, yep. what, what sort of exciting things have you seen happen just in the last, I don't know, week or two that that really gets you uh, fired up for for what? you know, the season has to, even this small piece of a season has. For us. Well, you mentioned new programs, and I know there's not many, if any, on the boys' side in Eastern Mass. I'm just going through my head here thinking uh, if there are any. There's a few new leagues uh, in terms of realignment. Bishop Stang and Bishop Fian are now in the Catholic Central uh, with your Archies, your uh, St. Mary's, Austin Prep. Uh, schools like that after the EAC, Eastern Athletic Conference collapsed, uh, Coyle and Cassidy and Taunton shut down. But in girls hockey, there have been a lot of new co-op programs that have uh, sprung up. Uh, some have sort of separated from larger co-ops. Others have sort of realigned. I know down south, uh, the East-West Bridgewater co-op is now uh, playing a full varsity schedule after being sub-varsity for a few years. And then up north, there's a ton in the Northeast Girls Hockey League. Uh, you've got Gloucester having its own team for the first time ever, and they've been a sub-varsity program for the last several seasons trying to make that happen. Uh, they do draw girls from Rockport as well, but still just two schools for one new co-op. I think that's pretty good. And then you've got the Marblehead co-op uh, that's still uh, firing on all cylinders up north there. They're drawing girls from Hamilton-Wenham. Manchester, Essex, and Swampscott. And then you also got Newburyport, which has split off from the Masconomid co-op. I know it's a lot of a lot of names to try to keep track of here, but uh, there's a lot of new programs springing up. And I know from covering some field hockey in the fall for the Globe, there were a few new field hockey programs, and it's a similar deal. I just can't imagine launching your brand new program uh, this particular season i mean it was going to be a memorable winter anyways now it's historic in you know unfortunate circumstances but it really speaks to how cool the perseverance is to make these seasons and these games possible uh for these programs yeah and i think for, for a lot of them the the parents and the the boosters and the schools themselves are saying you know we had time we had set this ahead we have the it's in the budget what's the sense of waiting any longer right like the kids are ready let's go uh, and, and that's really great to see that. So, um, you know, kind of looking at some of the bigger conferences right now, a couple of the teams that are really standing out to me, um, you know, Braintree's 3-0-1 in the Bay State um, and Central Catholic's 3-0-1 in the uh, MVC. I would love to uh, get to some Bay State conference games. I've only been to one so far. I saw Walpole and Milton. Um, Braintree, I know they've got a very young team. This year, Coach Dave Fasano, he's actually got another son on the team now, Nick Fasano. He's a sophomore, uh, and that's got to be pretty cool if you're Nick Fasano. You're playing not only for your father, but also for your older brother. 
is one of the assistant coaches on that Braintree staff, like yeah. Dave Fasano Jr. So yeah, yeah. and Nick, I think that's a pretty cool story. And Nick we'll has jumped too. right. Nick has jumped right in and scored too. Yep. It's not like oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Braintree, you know, every year they got new players coming in and certainly making their mark on that program. But it's pretty cool to see the family affair uh, really firing on all cylinders uh, there for Braintree. Um, elsewhere in the Bay State, it's. It, it sounds like we're not going to be able to see Framing, not going to be able to see Framingham this winter, and I think that's a shame. Um, you know, I, I I get it, kind of, but that's the kind of program that, you know, they had their best season ever last year in terms of getting uh, in terms of the Super Eight, most wins in sure. the Super Eight uh, last year, and they've won state championships and gone to the Garden before, even more recently, but. Um, I just hope that this pause doesn't hurt the momentum of that program, how good they've been under Will Ortiz and how good they were under Paul Spear as well, of course, uh, because they've really been one of the best public programs in the state, uh, we'll say over the last five years, uh, maybe even the best public program that hasn't won a state championship over the last five years. I think I feel com- comfortable uh, saying that about Fringham. So I, I'm hoping for the best for Will Ortiz and uh, his whole staff and all the great players in Framingham who aren't going to be able to take to the ice this winter. Yeah, it's just a tough situation there. Um, and then you move to the Central Catholic Large. You've got Archbishop Williams is 7-0-3, um, you know, with a recent win over Lowell Catholic 4 nothing, and they're getting goal scoring from acro- across the board uh, from players all over the ice there. Um, what are you seeing in the Central Catholic League that uh, – has led Archbishop Williams to be kind of jump out like this. They've also played 10 games, which is remarkable. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. What's going on in the Catholic Central? Well, they started, um, I think on Christmas Eve day, Archie's and Weymouth played. So they've been at it for, in some cases, at least a week, oftentimes two or three weeks longer uh, than some other leagues. But, you know, this was a Really good Archie's team last year, speaking from seeing them down at Gallo and getting all the way to that D1 South final before losing to Walpole. Uh, could have been a good year for the Bishops and the Buddy Ferreira Classic in Falmouth. I know uh, they haven't had a good run down there in a while. Uh, it's always fun, though, when you see some fresh blood in that final. And I know it's been hanging BC high, I think, uh, three, maybe four years running now in the final. But, it, you know, could have been a great year for the Bishops down there. Could have been a great year for the Falmouth Clippers. Uh, jumping uh, ship here a little bit, other teams in the Ferreira Classic. I know Falmouth skated a 1-1 tie with Sandwich on Monday night. Uh, Stone Devlin, who, if you've been watching games on My Hockey Live the last couple of years, he's really been one of the breakout performers uh, for the Clippers. He's already got seven goals this season in only five games. A uh, really exciting player there. So, yeah, it's... Um, <laughs> I haven't yet fully come to terms with the fact that we're not going to have our uh, four-day hockey frenzy in Falmouth at the Buddy Ferrer Classic, uh, in addition to Gallo. I I'm certainly uh, have not come to terms with that yet. But, right, um, right. Yeah, it's 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 tough, but uh, it's also good to see that some of these players have stuck around at their schools and are uh, you know, finishing what they started. And for some of them, uh, the only prize this year is going to be a league championship. Uh, but you know, it be, I guess it beats the alternative of not playing at all. I, I totally agree with you, though, um, on that. 
you know, looking at like Division Two, you get a team like Lincoln Sudbury. He's already six and zero. You know, um, and they're always at the top there. There's not a, like a, you know, that's that's not a team that's ever sh- sort of struggled to to compete in Division Two. And you kind of expect them to be up there. Uh, and Medway's four and zero, and Tewksbury's four and zero, and Canton's four and zero. And it seems like you know the same ones are there again and again and again. It's it's really remarkable the kinds of consistency. Uh, that you see out of programs like Lincoln Sudbury and Medway and Canton. Would love to have seen uh, Canton this year. And I know I still could theoretically go see them at some point. Uh, you know, it, they uh, split the division two state championship last year. They're second in a row the year after going 25, Oh, and one, uh, they were going to be hit hard by graduation. I think they had 13 seniors on last year's team. So it could have been a bit of a reboot there for the Bulldogs, but you know that they would have found a way to rebuild, ra- reload rather, rather than rebuild. Right. I'm not saying that would have guaranteed them another spot at the Garden, but uh, it's one of those programs you have great admiration for. The job Brian Schumann has done there, uh, the Hockmock League's best team year in, year out. Lincoln Sudbury is another. They have a little bit of stability now with head coach Matt Carlin. He's in his third year. At LS, after they had a stretch of three coaches in as many seasons prior to that, uh, one of which was former Bruins great Hal Gill, of course, now doing some TV work for the Predators. Do I have that right? Oh wow, I didn't. I did not realize that. Yeah, Hal I thought, Gill and, uh, the, uh, and honestly, I thought the oh, only thing. Ahead. Honestly, I thought the only thing he ever covered was um, Yarmer Yager. <laughs> and then we've got uh, that joke is for Andrew like three. Rick that joke. Rock, that joke is for three people there as well. Yeah, that joke is for three people. I'm sorry. <laughs> no that's fine um yeah so the razor who you see on nesson the former called a trophy winner he's also an assistant and he's for ex- ls he's excellent on nesson too he is really good i know it's been a nice little second act for him after uh you know i used to call it razor burn when um a, a young player would come in have a great rookie season maybe win the rookie of the year and this is in every sport and then sort of just never really go anywhere from there uh, seems like a really nice guy, and I'm glad that uh, he has found his calling uh, as a TV analyst. I think he's been awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and he he was the victim of the lockout, right? Like the I oh, mean, for sure. God, it just, any he has young a young player. Yeah. at that point, uh, it, just horrible circumstances. Too. Yeah, but it's really cool to see a goalie on TV breaking things down, and, and I always liked that's um, kind of unique. Yeah, it? yeah, and and uh, you look at um some of the NHL broadcasts. They got Kevin Weeks. Um, on NHL Network, he's awesome too. He's great. They see the game in a different way, right? Like a lot of the guys that are on TV for a long time were like these, you know, ex players that were kind of meatheadish types. Um, you know, Milbury, kind ob- of. yeah, Milbury, obviously, right? <laughs> you know, Keith Jones, who was kind of a pest, and Ronick, who was, you know, Ronick. Um, <laughs> but it's nice to see some of these guys like that. Like I know, it, it long gone are the days of Ken Dryden next to Al Michaels doing games. But at oh, the God. same time, uh, actually, funny, funny Kevin Weeks story. So uh, in another life, I was uh, I had an internship at ninety eight five the Sports Hub. This is in twenty thirteen when the Bruins were on their way to the Cup against the Blackhawks, and uh, Kevin Weeks called in as a uh, correspondent there from the NHL network to talk about the upcoming series. And then I get another call cause I was screening calls. That was really the extent of what I did. And this guy in some heavy Boston accent, he's like, I can't believe you guys are having Kevin weeks on. He's just facing all these money laundering charges. I had to look it up. And uh, sure enough, Kevin weeks, not Kevin weeks, the goalie, but Kevin <laughs> weeks, whitey bulgers, uh, compadre. There. There's a, uh, 
a, a miscommunication somehow that uh it was a different Kevin Weeks that not, was spelled different. Yeah, not the same Kevin Weeks. That's a <laughs> yeah, very so. different Kevin Weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Got a kick out of that one. Wow. Yeah, and, and people say Boston's provincial. Give me a break. <laughs> um <laughs> Just, uh, you know, a team we haven't mentioned here yet is Pope Francis, um, kind of the, you know, the class of the Central Catholic League. Um, they've had to come out and play Bishop Fian. We've had the, they've had, the, they've, they're going to win the um, Frequent Flyer Miles Award this year for trips to. Don't the, they always? Yeah. I mean, but, you know, some more, <laughs> some more nor, un, uh, abnormal trips out, yep. out east. You know, they're playing, um, Bishop Fian and they're playing Bridgewater Raynham and you know some some again non-traditional matchups for them and another not... matchup we would never see in a million years but that's really cool for a program like BR to be able to play against a team in Pope Francis uh that had been to the garden uh, theoretically three years in a row they were supposed to be there last year so I think that's a really cool experience uh for everybody involved and I, I don't know if we've touched yet on BR and their new coach Scott Harlow we have not no, well, yeah. I mean, I think that's pretty awesome. Former Stonehill coach, a scout for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, just a different. Uh, it's good to see, um, you know, these new coaches stepping in at really wild times and uh, the kind of baptism by fire there that had to be for his BR team playing Pope Francis. That again, you know, a team that was going to be hit hard by graduation last year was probably going to look a little different, but uh, still, they were going to be in the Super Eight hunt, no question. If there was a Super Eight, so. I think that's pretty cool that BR has been able to schedule them. And you really feel for the teams in small leagues like BR in the, uh, I almost said Old Collins League. Uh, that's been renamed now. The SEC there. Right. Southeast Conference with really it's just three schools uh, for hockey. It's BR, Dartmouth, and Durfee Correct. down in Fall River. Correct. So they fortunately have been able to play non-league uh, slates um, and they've been able to play a lot of teams on that Cape and Islands League. I know Falmouth uh, play and Barnstable play BR every year anyway. So those are matchups that have still been able to happen. And I think that's good because I'd, I'd get kind of tired of playing the same team uh, 10 times. You know, I, I like uh, I like seeing a team maybe three or four times, but 10, be, that would get old real quick, I think. Yeah, yeah, I'm still struggling to get used to this NHL schedule where we're playing the same team oh back, back to back uh, with a day off in between. Um and no fans, so you kind of lose a little bit of the juice. Uh, back to Harlow, really interesting, though, um, is that he's from East Bridgewater originally, was drafted by the Canadians in the uh, in the third round, and played one NHL game with the St. Louis Blues in the 87-88 season. Uh, but no he, kid. Yeah, but he was a star at BC, um, former captain of the BC Eagles. So um, really cool. He's been around the game for a long time. Uh, you know, I remember when I was at Stonehill, he was the coach there, and he had – uh, prior to that was running conditioning camps and you know he's been doing all sorts of other stuff like that for a long time uh, out of the Bridgewater rink but it's nice to see a guy like him at uh, Bridgewater Raynham. So how many former NHL players are coaching now head coaches in Massachusetts whether that's uh, a boys or a girls team I'm trying to think and I, I don't have the answer in front of me I know you don't either I didn't mean to put you on the spot Boy, uh, there. yeah but there, there's a few you know you've got Draft pick, certainly, Brian Ferreira of uh, the Falmouth Girls was an eighth-round pick of the Bruins uh, back in the day. I know Paul Moore, the Falmouth head coach, uh, played in the IHL. I don't believe he ever got to the NHL, but um, probably a few others, several others, now that I'm thinking about it. I know Ian Moran was kicking around a little bit around the high school game. Um, who else? 
This is a good one that we'll have. I'm sure we will have someone mention this in the in the podcast in the uh, in the Twitter. If only, if only Jim Clark were here. He would know. Jim Clark would know immediately, uh, <laughs> which just goes to show we need to have Jim Clark on next week. Uh, yep. Maybe we could have a little. Uh, not even a round table. It would be a triangle table because it would just be three of us, but me, you, and Clark. Um, uh, gosh, who was it? Um, there was. Somebody- well, there was Jean-Yves Waugh, um, the coach at Notre Dame. Hang him. Um, he played a couple games for the Bruins back in the day. Yeah, and, and there was someone in Bourne. Um, gosh, I think he was only there for a year, and it was during one of the, it was during one of the work stoppages. Oh, boy. I mean, we've mentioned the assistants, I, and you know Hal Gill, one year as head coach, the Razor. Um, man, this is great radio. We're thinking, right now. <laughs> <laughs> but this, this is an interesting topic. And, you know, plenty of guys have played big time college hockey. You think Tony Messina playing up at UVM, uh, for example? Uh, um, John Flaherty, uh, Flash Flaherty, played at BC. Um, God, there's so many. Oh, Paul Mara. It's none of them are coming to me off the top of my head right now. Pa- uh, Paul Mara. There we go. Paul Mara was in Fal- uh, from Falmouth. He uh, played for the Bruins and took over at, um, at Bourne. He played 800 games in the no NHL. Kidding. Yeah, that was in uh, 2011. I, rem- I remember Paul Mara. He was uh, one of those post-lockout Bruins, I think. Maybe pre-lockout. It was right. He was right around that 0405 time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was on. He was the '99 USA hockey captain, and um, yep. lots of good stuff there. All right. Um, I I don't really know what to say as far as you know. We usually transition into the Bruins a little bit at the end here. Um, they went from a team that couldn't score at all uh, to a team that only scores now uh, eleven goals in what the last three games. Um, what do you make of the sudden resurgence or, or, or I shouldn't say resurgence, but surgence maybe <laughs> of Nick Ritchie? I'm pleasantly surprised by all of it because as we know, they went 11 straight periods to open the season or 10 straight rather. Uh, maybe it was 11. I don't know. It was double digits without an even strength goal. And I would, was ready to say this is it. Even before David Pasternak got back, I was ready to say, Pack it in. Bruins are done for the season. Uh, they've no secondary scoring beyond their primary scoring, which wasn't getting the job done. Right. And I figured even if water did find its level there, it would probably be too little too late. But no, I've been very pleasantly surprised. They're still getting some pretty good goaltending. Uh, even if Tuca wasn't great in that game against the Flyers that where they broke out in the third period and then won in the shootout, uh, I remain skeptical. I think that this is a team that's any more than, you know, first round fodder, but I hope I'm wrong. Really? Yeah. I, I, uh, and the thing is what's most troubling to me is that so many of their issues right now have almost nothing to do with letting go of Tory Krug and Zidane Ochara, uh, which is another story for another time where you don't replace either of them. You know, theoretically you have the younger guys, um, and no, I'm very, very bullish on the Bruins. I think, and this isn't exactly a revolutionary take, 2019 was their chance. Yeah. That was their chance. They blew it. And now I think they're uh, sort of in this awkward stage that happens to a lot of teams where they're, they're not good enough to win the Stanley Cup, but they're not bad enough to fall to the bottom of the league yet. And I think they're in no man's land. And 
I, it's it's frightening to think where they're going to ultimately land. I'm just a little afraid that, you know, Patrice Bergeron's been in the NHL for 18 years. 17, I guess. Right, right. I, I, I have to disagree with you. I think this is a Final Four-level team. Um, despite, really? Yeah, despite the loss of Krug, despite the loss of Chara, I think that the young guys have filled in nicely. They're going to have their their lumps and their bumps, but they're playing against the same eight teams, seven teams, uh, throughout the entire season. They'll, they'll, they'll gonna, they're going to catch their stride. It's only a matter of time. Rask is playing like a world beater right now. Uh, Whoa, and, he's been and up and down. I, I think Rask has played really well for them. Um, and it, I think, I think he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. Um, and it, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to see the Bruins come out of the East. There, I said it. I, I, I hope you're right. Believe me, I, I, I'm not trying to be a contrarian. I, I'm, I'm an optimist by nature, believe it or not. I know that's hard for some people to believe. I, I tend to err on the side of optimism, but I have to look at the, the facts here. Other than the Devils and I guess the Sabres, I just don't know which teams in the East the Bruins have a better roster than. They have better players in some cases. You know, when Pasternak is back, Marshawn firing at full sw- uh, at full strength, and you know, there's still some tread left on B- Patrice Bergeron's tires. That's clear. But roster to roster, top to bottom, on any given night, I think they might be the sixth best team in the East. I, I, See, it, here's where I disagree with you because I think with the return of Pasternak, everyone gets slotted down a line because Pasternak comes back in at the top, and that will right? help. But, but there's no question that will. Happen. Yeah, DeBrusque is playing it at, at, at in the top line, and he and he shouldn't be right. He's clearly in over his head there, and he's he's had a couple of nice games, and he scored that great shootout goal. But you you slot him back to where he's supposed to be with Krejci, or you move him down to the third group, and you move Craig Smith up. Um, and the Craig Smith signing, I think, was pretty good. Was a pretty good one. He's certainly not going to be the difference between you know them winning the Stanley Cup and not winning the Stanley Cup. But but he was really their only notable acquisition right. in the offseason. Everything else was from Providence. Yeah. So you mean Marlboro. Yeah, true, right, from Marlboro. Um the the Marlboro Bruins are coming at you out of the AHL and what are they going to play out of rink? Which rink are they playing out of? Do we know? Oh my god. Yeah, I think rink 3. Is it rink 3? That. Is that the one with the stands and the little scoreboard? You would think. I think so. That they should yeah. be there anyway. At least you can run up and get a cup of chowder from that uh, that snack bar. But <laughs> Just to kind, of, to kind of to kind of tie all of this together, I really like the young defensemen so far. I have very grave concerns about Matt Grizzlick's health, though. I don't know if this guy can stay healthy. And they, you know, Krug Krug started out the same way, um, but I, I, have, I have real concerns about Grizzlick being able to stay healthy. Well, what about and then Kevin Miller? You know, he's looked pretty good so far this season. I know. It, love Jack Edwards mean it sounded like he was talking about Bobby Orr and his prime return in those first couple of games. <laughs> I worry if Kevin Miller can stay healthy. Of course. He hasn't been healthy in years. Right. And even when he is fully healthy, he's a guy who provides you nothing in the offensive end. He's a great stay at home defenseman. He's, I guess he's Adam McCoy-esque in yes, that regard. That's oh, by exactly, the way, congratulations, Adam McCoy on a great career. He retired last week. I'm just worried how paper thin the roster is. And if one thing goes wrong, that could expose a lot. Yeah. I, I guess to kind of, to finish this, um, I am very excited. You know, the recent announcement of the signing of Curtis Hall, uh, no relation. 
um, from, <laughs> from Yale. That's very exciting for me. Uh, Jake, uh, what do you got coming up this week? So tomorrow I am making my first of what would normally be many trips to the Cape. I hate to keep going back to that, but I'm heading to Falmouth uh, for uh, Falmouth Barnstable. That'll be a good one. Uh, Saturday, I believe I'm going to be at Hingham Duxbury in um, a Patriot League game that you know does happen every year, even if it's not in the league standings. It's, Hingham. it's normally an independent, and uh, we'll see where else the wind takes me. But uh, I'd love to beat as many games as possible this weekend. Uh, no football, so uh, might as well uh, get, get my bang for the buck and uh, catch as much hockey as possible. Not going to be watching the uh, virtual Madden version of the Pro Bowl, are, are you? No? Yeah, I'm not a big Pro Bowl guy even in normal times, so I'm not going to make an exception this year. <laughs> you mean you're you're certainly not going to watch the one that they recreate the game on Madden and stream it via Twitch probably or something? I, I have Madden 2005 here on my uh, PS2, the only game console I own at this point in time, so maybe I'll just play a game of Madden and fill hey. my void if I have any downtime. Well, you know what? There's a quarterback that's still in that that's in that game that's still playing right now. So. Oh, God. Oh God! We'll leave. We'll leave it. We'll leave it at that. Uh, Jake, thank, thanks as always for joining me, uh, and we will catch you next week. Check out our games on myhockeylive.com. Uh, keep up with your schedules because things are cray cray in the world of COVID. Uh, we'll talk to you soon.